0: Around the country, some Unitarian Universalist ministers have changed their sermon topics in response to the dreadful shooting in San Bernardino. After these major tragedies, it is tempting to immediately respond in sermon. Passions and outrage run high. My heart breaks for every single person traumatized, wounded, killed. My heart breaks for the terrorist couple, couple who imagined carnage could lead to some twisted sense of heaven and happiness. Yet after much thought, I'm sticking, With communion today, I'm holding on to our theme of the month, and for several reasons. First, it is a mistake to use a sermon to process anger or sorrow. This privilege of the free pulpit is not self therapy. Next, I'm learning to trust more and more what I call church time. Church time is the willingness to slow down. It's the thing that drives us crazy. It takes so long. Slow down enough to take time for thinking. Church time is giving emotions room to cycle through our bodies, our minds. Emotions lag behind our lightning-quick brains. And church time is the expanded time it takes to engage with others, to take in and give back insights. The complex chain of events and motives that happened this week deserve the full discernment of church time. And another reason for not using this sermon to bombard you with statistics, opinions, and a rousing call to action is when we step over grief, and jump right to action. We miss profound, needed wisdom. Disbelief, anger, sadness, guilt, anxiety, depression, and fear. I don't know about you, but I have felt all of those this week. And want them to go away, but they contain useful information. And settling too soon into into any one of those emotional states limits our response. And the last reason I'm staying on communion is I often find there's room for current events in unexpected ways in every part of our service, not just the sermon, because the values and ethics we face together as a religious community are interwoven into all areas of life. In January, a monthly theme will be nonviolence. That seemed like a perfect time to schedule a sermon based on a Hope member's question How can gun violence be eliminated? With the passage of time, may my answer and our answer, our answers, be less reactionary and more skillful? May it be informed by passages through social and political analysis and personal and collective grief. I still consider chucking this sermon. The monthly theme of communion is treacherous. And I've had images of I Love Lucy reruns with Lucy's whiny voice asking, what have I gotten myself into, Ricky? (laughs) Why did I agree to take on a church sacrament, a Eucharist of bread and wine that we do not celebrate? Much of our association, including Hope Church, doesn't serve bread and wine communions. Most view Jesus as a human teacher, not God or son of God, and the change or transubstantiation of bread into a body, wine into blood, makes little sense. Communion as a literal ingesting of a body is a confounding idea so our religious ancestors rooted out the supernatural in our Unitarian Universalist traditions when we take any biblical or religious text literally or as true history we may miss other deeper needed resources communion Community, common, the root of these three words is the same. And it predates Latin or Greek. You linguists know that co means together and moin, its root means change or exchange. And together, they literally mean shared by all. So communion is shared by all, must be shared by all. And it is this unifying community-building feature of communion that we tend to emphasize. Although, simply building communion community is not enough. True communion, to be a long-lived and a transformative experience, has to move each individual as well as the whole group toward righteous deeds common thinking it must draw together the past and the present and the future and it is best it is best when it involves a collective repeated physical action that shape each individual person and the group as a whole and lastly there must be room at the table it must be shared by all Church was born around a table. Acts of communion have existed long before Christianity, feasting together. But for today, the story behind communion, the Last Supper, is instructive. Jesus and his disciples are gathered for the Jewish ritual meal Passover. Jesus announces he will be betrayed by one of them And with communion, breaking bread, he dips a piece and hands it to Judas. So communion becomes prophecy, truth-telling, and accusation. It changes that community. Judas takes the bread and leaves. I'm reading from the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but when someone has died, there are physical things that remind me, even foods, even actions, of that person. What if that's all he's doing? As religious innovators do, Jesus takes an already existing holy day or holiday and nudges it in a new direction for his purposes. Remember, he isn't inventing Christianity. Rather, he's advocating for those oppressed and crushed by the Roman Empire he comes to Jerusalem and clears Herod's temple from the trappings of wealth and corruption. He drives the livestock from the temple courtyard and overturns the tables of the money changers. With the Romans threatened by his ministry, Jesus appropriates a familiar celebration to spread a way to remember his teachings and to spread a vision of a just world. He transformed an ancient Passover meal, connecting his radical acts of inclusion and salvation to the past, to the Passover, and then he projects them into the future. Jesus symbolically makes the point that his teachings can liberate. They can liberate the way Passover did can liberate the contemporary tribe of Israel from the tyranny of the empire. His impending betrayal and sacrifice echo the lessons of Passover. Although what we know as the Christian communion sacrament today is not the ritual Jesus held, nor the earliest Christians held, for its first millennia, first thousand years, Christianity wasn't focused on Death, but life. The early Eucharist in ancient churches was celebrated as a Thanksgiving feast of life, not as a reenactment of death. Two UU scholars wrote Saving Paradise. They studied the artwork in depictions of Jesus throughout the arc of Christianity so they subtitled their book how christianity traded love of this world for crucifixion and empire they trace the christian veneration of the death of jesus and his crucifixion the depiction of these only go back 900 years before that time early christians greeted one another in peace and reconciliation by clasping hands embracing kissing Then the great offertory procession began. Members brought gifts to support the church and offered food for a Eucharist meal. Bread was universally served, but so were other fruits of the harvest. The early church framed its most important meal as this act of feeding one another and feeding the poor. It is food and drink offered equally to everyone. It is in that that the presence of God for them is found. But food and drink are the material basis of life. So the Lord's Supper is a political criticism and an economic challenge, as well as a sacred rite and liturgical worship. Then all the religious reformers who came after Jesus invent new layers of meaning for this final Passover meal with Jesus, this Last Supper. Over centuries, the ancient communion feast of unity and bounty is co-opted by images of violence. The feast evolves from bread and wine served to remember Jesus' teachings of peace, To a ritual recollection of Jesus' broken and murdered body, we are wise to question these later interpretations, particularly this week of slaughter. We are wise to question all philosophies and theologies encouraging violence as any viable answer to life or community. We are not alone in questioning brutal and supernatural symbolism within communion. Many activist, progressive Christian communities have joined us in reconsidering. Many have reclaimed the much-needed revolutionary impulse, fighting tyranny in communion. When it becomes a remembrance of Jesus' subversion of conventional attitudes, can inspire visions of an alternative future in the midst of violence of all cruel empires. Jesus was working to usher justice into the harsh Roman Empire. All throughout his ministry, his, he had meals with the disadvantaged, including this Last Supper. He was bringing hope. To his people in times when the Roman Empire ruled with an iron fist. And as a Thanksgiving feast, Eucharist serves as a reminder of this courage. So we celebrate many communions here at Hope. We haven't discarded them entirely at all. At the beginning of the church year in September we held a water communion to reunite us in intent and purpose. Early in the new year, we will again have fire communion, the burning bowl ritual, to burn away unneeded obstacles and recommit to aspirations. But it's our annual spring flower communion, started by Unitarian minister Norbert Chopik in Czechoslovakia after World War I that closely resembles this transforming power of radical communion. Chopik felt the need for a, a symbolic ritual to bind his people more closely together. Like Jesus, he too was a religious innovator. He wanted a ceremony to unite the diverse congregants of his church, who came from varying Protestant Catholic and Jewish backgrounds. A traditional Christian communion service was unacceptable to his congregation. Does that sound familiar? So he turned to the native beauty of the countryside for elements of a communion which would be genuine to his congregation. Each person brings a flower, and when placed together in vases... These homemade bouquets celebrate beauty, human uniqueness, diversity, and community. As reminders, each person takes a different flower home. And then flower communion took on an even more urgent meaning when Chopik was arrested and killed by the Nazis in 1942. So flower communion contains these wanted revolutionary possibilities. It's deceptive in its beauty and simplicity, yet not far below the surface is the radical idea of an open table, one shared by all. As a feast of bounty, it invites radical hospitality. As a table of justice. It calls for the end of brutal murders like choppicks. Flower communion gives us a a container for life and death. It honors bounty and body. And it lures each one of us to receive our own mystery. So with the ideas in flower communion, they can point us to the potential in our other ongoing common communions. These that daily shape our beliefs and actions. You can take partake of many communions here, coffee and sweets after worship, monthly breakfasts, fabulous today, choir practice, supper club, movie night, book club, You know, in a certain sense, we could say we are all about communion. A chalice reading and conducting committee business is communion shared by all. When you participate wholeheartedly in each of these communions, you are continually preparing to usher justice into the world. You practice alternative, life-giving ways of being together, Our communions become schools for gratitude and thanksgiving. We gather hope and strength. We learn how to make room at the table for all. We are the religious innovators making revolution. May it be so.